0: Hey guys, what's up? Here is another episode of Flick City. This is Flick City number 48. Number 47 was my interview with Jackie Vinay, and she was talking about the movie The Surprise Visit. This time out, this is an interview I did with Paul Solet. S-O-L-E-T. I actually thought the way to pronounce his name was Paul Solet. And I was lucky because the publicist who was handling the press for this movie, the movie is called Clean, actually pronounced his name Paul Soleil. And then he corrected her. He said it's Paul Solet. So whenever you see the name S-O-L-E-T, Paul Solet, it's not Soleil. It's Paul Solet. Very talented filmmaker, I believe. He directed a movie in 2017 called Bullethead which stars Adrian Brody and Antonio Banderas and I believe John Malkovich and the dog as well. I, I vaguely remember it but I remember really enjoying it though. It's a movie that I I thought was a elevated B movie or at least a B movie that just really worked on all levels. So that's why at the beginning of the interview I asked him about the B le- B movie level trope regarding this movie regarding Bullethead and Clean. Clean starts, again, it stars Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody previously worked with Solette in the 2017 film, Bullethead. Okay, so I really enjoyed Clean. I don't know what my find-your-film and cinematic... No, my find-your-film mates, Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes, they might have different different thoughts on the movie. They, Eric and Bruce will be joining me again next week to do another episode of Cinematics at the Top of the Month. And Anderson will be joining at the middle of the month, the middle of February, to recap the last two weeks of February. There's going to be a couple of changes, I think in a positive sense, regarding Cinematics. Um No matter what, Anderson, he came up with it, the name Cinematics. He came up with the idea almost six years ago. So I always considered him to be our version of the chairman of the board, he is the boss, he is the head honcho. So whenever I try to do anything creative or any any kind of thing to do with cinematics, I make sure I clear it with the headmaster, the head honcho first. I have a couple of ideas on how to do our Patreon as well. I might be giving a couple of extra things that I'm going to throw. I'll talk about it for the next Flick City thing. But the bottom line is I've been doing a lot of interviews and haven't actually converted them onto audio form for you guys to listen to. So I'm happy finally after, let I me mean, when did I upload this Flick City 47? I uploaded it on January 14th. As we are speaking now, it's January 26th. So what you're going to have here for this episode is you're going to have my 11 minute interview with Paul Solat from Clean, the director and co-writer of Clean. What's interesting about Clean is he co-wrote it with Adrian Brody and Brody also did the score for this movie. The movie, Clean, it centers on this guy. He has a mysterious past. He has a very, well, like the the guy from Taken, he has a very specific set of skills. Actually, it's a specific specific set of skill. His big skill isn't killing people. He knows how to dispatch of people. But about half of the movie, you get really into this character that Adrian Brody plays. He's sort of a, a little bit of a, a loner. He's a garbage He's, he works in the sanitation department. He's a garbage man. He cleans up his neighborhood. He tries to do nice things for a fellow person, for a younger woman. She's a teenager who's, who's in an, a very embattled neighborhood and he tries to do right, right by her by sometimes he gives her a ride to school and he's, sometimes he'll just do different things for her just for the benefit of her life. He's trying to clean up his own act. Michael T. Williamson, great character actor. He portrays Adrian Brody, the, Adrian Brody's, Sponsor, because you know uh, that character from Clean is that's all he's trying to do is he's trying to get clean. Even though, yes, Adrian Brody's character is named Clean. That is his. He's known as Clean. So Clean is just trying to get clean, and he 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 actually needs the help of his sponsor, played by Michael T. Williamson, to set him on the straight and narrow path. Straight and narrow, straight and narrow, straight and narrow, or straight and narrow. Anyways, I'm being annoying. Also, there's Glenn Fleshler. You might know him from recently from Werewolves Within, and he plays a lawyer in Billions. If you watch Billions, very good in that one as well. He plays Michael. He's a crime boss who inadvertently butts heads with Clean. So a lot of the movie deals with Michael's conflicts with Clean and vice versa. And again, the aforementioned schoolgirl teenager is played by Chandler DuPont. She's very, very talented as well. A a nice, promising young actress. And Richie Merritt, who you might know from White Boy, rick white boy rick is he plays mikey he plays mike mikey is the son of the crime boss so there's all these chess elements on the board the main character the king and queen of this world is clean played by adrian brody so it's an interesting interview with paul so that i asked him about his his aesthetics as a filmmaker and unfortunately i was not able to Talk to him about his documentary that he did several years back, which I'm I'm kind of excited to see. I'm definitely excited to see because it's a documentary called Tread. It was released in in 2020, and it's a movie that Anderson. It's a documentary that Anderson recommends. So, well, Anderson recommended it. I'm definitely going to see Tread. Clean comes out in theaters on and on digital and demand. Let me make sure. Let me make sure right here, this Friday, January 28th. Let me just check right now. Okay, so it comes out in theaters on demand and digital January 28th, Friday, January 28th. So you can hit me and Anderson up. Tell me if you like clean or maybe hit up the, the folks over at Find Your Film. Tell us what you think of this movie. I enjoyed the movie. I loved it. And it's half half of it is character building drama. And I really like that world. And the other half, if you love action and violence... It has a ton of that as well. For our Patreon listeners, you're going to get a sort of a minute and a half discussion with Paul Solet talking about the ending of Clean. I will be putting it up this weekend during the opening weekend of the film. Also, to tag on to this, the interview is only 11 minutes. I'm also going to tag on my interviews, my very quick like five or six minute interview with Redeeming Love actors Abigail Cowan and Tom Lewis. And what's interesting about Redeeming Love as of this recording if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, okay, Redeeming Love, PG 13 was released this year. It's directed by DJ Caruso, a genre filmmaker that I really appreciate. Movies that Caruso's done right off the top of my head is, I believe he did this movie called I Am Number Four. I think that's, that's what it's called. He did another movie called Suburbia with Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf. My favorite of his is a Val Kilmer movie called The Salton Sea. I believe these are some of his movies. And he does a good job with this Redeeming Love film. It's a faith-based film set in the like around the 1850s gold rush era. And it centers on this woman played by Abigail Cowan. She is, lives a life in a brothel and she believes she's the highest price call girl on in the town in this gold rush town. And she believes actually that if she makes enough money, she's going to, she's going to save up the money and leave and just carve out her own life because she's had a sad life of her own. And she's a very not broken. She's a very strong willed, but embittered woman, understandably so regarding humanity and her, her line of work. So And also Tom Lewis plays this guy who actually falls in love with her at first sight. I apologize for that. That's my Amazon Prime. It's my Amazon tablet. I apologize for that. And yeah, so Tom Lewis plays her love interest, her prospective love interest, who really digs her no matter what. And Famke Johnson co-stars as the madam of the house, Eric Dane, from formerly from Grey's Anatomy. And I believe he starred in a TV series. I forget what it's called. Maybe The Last Ship. Eric Dane plays a very bad guy one of the antagonists behind Redeeming Love. What and Nina Dobrev from I believe what was her, what was what series was she in? The Vampires, Vampire Diaries? She plays the mother of Abigail Cowan's character and Cowan is plays this character aptly named Angel. Again, this is a PG-13 faith-based drama. What's interesting about this is again, I said I'm a DJ Caruso fan. The movie is 134 minutes. That might be a little bit of a barrier of entry if you don't like long movies, but tomato meter by the critics 10% as of this recording. Audience score, which is, which means over 250 plus verified ratings, 94%. I am among those 94% who I'm Catholic. This is, this was right up my alley. My buddy Eric Combs and find your film. I mean, I remember around the Christmas time he said, like, oh, I'm just watching a whole bunch of Christmas movies on Netflix, and I know a lot of people don't love it, but it's just my speed. Same thing here regarding Redeeming Love. It is completely my speed. I recommend Redeeming Love if you haven't already seen it. So and again, that that interview with Cowan and Lewis will be tagged on after my interview with Paul. So that, so that, that are the, that is the two interviews that I'm giving right now for this week and about maybe next week. I'm going to post up another couple of interviews here on Flick City. Right now, there are 11 reviews on clean. It has a 36% Rotten Tomato score. And yeah, I, no way. I, I really enjoyed clean as well. It should be higher. Yeah, should definitely be higher. We'd love to hear what you think about clean, what you think about redeeming love and all that stuff. And thanks again for supporting me and Anderson. Per the Cinematics Podcast for the last five or six years, love you all and yeah, would love to hear your thoughts on these movies and hopefully you enjoy these interviews as well. Speaking of interviews, I'm doing an interview with Scott, Scout, Taylor Compton, I believe that's her name and I think I'm really butchering her name. I got to look it up right now what it is. It's a, for this movie called The Long Night and I'll be posting that audio interview next week. If you want to see the video versions of my interviews, go check out our deepest dream channel, yes. Yeah, Scout Taylor Compton, she's an actress. You might know her from the Halloween films by Rob, Rob Zombie, and I'll be interviewing Rich Ragsdale as well within the next fifteen minutes of this recording. So thanks again. Oh yeah, by the way, The Long Night stars two highly underappreciated actors, Jeff Fahey and Deborah Kara Kara Deborah Kara or Deborah. I'm just gonna call it Deborah Unger. You might not know the name Deborah Unger, but if you see her, you'll realize you've seen her in a bunch of stuff. Most memorably, I think, the movie's Crash and The Game. Again, so expect more interviews on a weekly basis here on Cinematics. We're also changing podcasting platforms. Via buds, bud sprout. Via buzz sprout. So there's going to be a lot more different coverage, a lot more cinematics in the ether, up in the air, and yeah. So maybe I'll get Anderson to come out and play more than once a month. Actually, it's not all on him. It's just the idea of me visiting him once a month and us knocking down a very quick show, and then the Patreon. But who knows? Maybe down the road we'll see more of each other because I love the guy. And oh. If you are listening to, if you listen to the last episode of Cinematics, I was making fun of these, not making fun, I was talking about these chicken sammies or chicken sandwiches from this Korean place called Holdak or Holdak or Hold yeah, Holdak. Anderson said it's the best chicken sandwich he's ever had. I don't know if it's the absolute best, but I'm trying to think of something that's better than that and I can't right now, I can't wait to go back and to hold and eat some some of these chicken sammies i also got some chicken tenders as well along with it and their coleslaw which is which is their corn their corn slaw salsa something like that was very very good as well and yeah definitely recommend that if you're ever in these parts of los angeles again it's called hold oh i have to get ready for this interview and yes i am blabbering too much thank thank you guys talk to you soon and talk to you next week for a new round of interviews on this here cinematics all right guys bye I'm a huge fan of your previous uh, collaboration with Adrian. Just talking, just I wanted to know. Actually, several years ago, when did your collaboration start? Did it start first with a friendship, or did it just start with, you know, Bullethead? Just because of that, where did that partnership start?
1: I I had never met Adrian before. I, I mean, I, you know, love Adrian. You know, I've been a fan of Adrian as an actor for my many, 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 many years. Obviously, you know, of course. I sent bullet head to him and, uh, he really responded. He was in the South of France painting and he, he was sort of, you know, really taking a break. He was sort of fed up with the business. I think at the time a little bit, just enjoying painting and, you know, art is a really big part of his life. And he read the script and really responded to it. And we had a, like a video call before video call was calling was in vogue. And, uh, he was just really sweet and comp really complimentary. You know, he's right away. I think it was really clear that we just had this, We just have very similar sensibilities, you know, like we have really similar tastes and passions and uh, we hit it off right away.
0: I think with Clean and Bullethead, can you speak to the level of your own stylistic aesthetic? Because both films could have been just great guilty pleasure B-level thrillers, and I would have loved them. But you, I'm pretty sure you're demanding more from your story. Can you just talk about just your decision to go the extra mile with both films and now with Clean? It's fun, but you want something more out of your cinema
1: yeah, I really appreciate that you know i I grew up like absolutely with passion for B movies I mean I, i'm I'm crazy for you know I love genre films I always have but you know in my own life and in my own work, I think the themes that have, you know, surface for me again and again are, you know, are themes that you don't always find in, in those movies. And so for me trying to pull those in, you know, they're really not mutually exclusive. I mean, when I, when I, when, when there's something under the hood in a, in a genre film, you know, the whole vehicle just functions a lot better. You know, you care for people, the stakes are higher, you know, and you leave a movie ideally thinking about yourself a little bit, you know, whether you came to eat popcorn, hang out and cheer and yell at the screen, like, I mean, I do not begrudge anyone that you know. Like, I think that's a sacred experience. But uh, I like the idea that you can leave thinking about something too.
0: I guess, in layman's term, layman's term, Paul, what is the key to actually making an indie film or "quote unquote" low budget film, but actually making it very high production level? Because there is a lot of world building behind Clean that it looks like a seventy to hundred million dollar movie. It could have been framed as such, but how do you do that? Just in simple terms.
1: Thanks. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I mean, I think uh, I think you know, understanding your limitations. Every movie has limitations. Every filmmaker has limitations. It's the nature of the thing. You know, you talk to guys make 150 million dollar movies. There, those are 350 million dollar movies that they're making for 150 million dollars. So, I think the thing that I've learned over the years is just um, you know to to understand your limitations and embrace them and try to sort of turn them into assets if you can. Uh, in this case, we were working in just a really rich cinematic. Place and so our locations just gave us so much, and that, that was a that was a key thing. And you know, never being afraid to uh, to simplify and 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 to just hold. You know, instead of trying sleight of hand. You know, instead sort of instead of trying to sort of chop everything up just to sort of own what you're shooting and not try to kill yourself shooting coverage, but to understand like I have four shots. I'm going to make four shots. I'm going to trust my actors. We're going to do the work up front and. Yeah, and then the train pulls out of the station and you move on
0: so this can probably take hours to explain but how do you how the heck are you able to to choreograph your action shots within a confined space you're talking about coverage and cutting and editing and all that stuff how do you do it I'm, I was blown away about how you were able to do this stuff with the restaurants, the bowling. That, that scene is just a tour de force. And then and then you have the stuff in the how homes. How much do you have to prepare visually regarding your shot list or just how do you do that?
1: It's, it's really important to understand that there's a whole team working on that stuff. Director does all their due diligence to find the location, to build the space, to hire the right people, to work in the space, to create the right atmosphere in the space. But you know, on this we had um, just absolutely incredible stunt coordinator, Manny Savario's old school stunt coordinator. He is an ace, and you know, you work with him. You know, you it's about trying to sort of communicate the vision of the thing for him, what kind of action, what kind of violence, and to and to allow and facilitate Adrian to work with him. Adrian is a physically people. You know, Adrian is physically as gifted an actor as I've ever seen. You know, and he is really, really committed. He was hugely committed to those action sequences, and so him and Manny, they just danced. They worked that. They worked those scenes and worked those scenes and worked those scenes. And then when it was time, you know, you only have so much time. They just did it.
0: What is the balance in creating a movie that's violence, but ultimately it's a movie that's anti-violence? You know, I'm thinking some of the best films really go through that genre of violence, but it's really trying to actually build a world where. No, this, there's much more, there's humanity amidst this. And can you just talk about that balancing act and what, how much of a joy is it just to create something on, on that level?
1: That is a really sophisticated, well-articulated question. I, I really appreciate getting that. And I appreciate that you observed that. It's a hard balance. It's a hard balance because, you know, it's, it's a really thin line between exploitation and titillation and, and actually hitting your theme. You know, this is a movie about a guy who is very, very good at doing a very, very bad thing. He is balletic. He's ballistic. You know, he is, you know, he's a fucking force of nature. And, you know, the filmmaking has to support that. You're not doing anyone a service by pulling punches, by sort of softening a representation of a person who is a savant at killing you know, you, you, there's only one way to show that. And I think you have to embrace that or you miss the theme or you don't communicate the theme. And, you know, there, you know, there will always be people who miss it. You know, there'll always be people who uh, criticize any movie with violence in it and don't understand what's going on below the surface. That's okay. That's okay. You know, like we knew the target in our hearts and we shot it and we sh- and and you know, we did our best to hit it.
0: Not to, to read too much into it, but just how about that subtle theme about it's okay to give, an actual crap about your neighbor or for, for another person who is not your own blood or your own kid? Can you speak to that, how you and Adrian collaborated? Was that a big part of why both of you wanted to create this world of, of clean?
1: Yeah, it's such a simple it's such a simple thing that we've really kind of lost over the last two years to a great degree in certain areas, like just sort of, you know, you can't see people's faces the same way. And, you know, it's just all a lot of interpersonal stuff has been compromised. And so, you know, this was a movie that was made before the pandemic. And I think it was, you know, as sort of time went on, we saw how, how relevant it was. Some of these themes, Um, you know, that's a, that is a absolutely a core theme. It's just, Love your neighbor, love your brother, you know, and that's it. I mean, you know, try to do right by the people, the, the people immediately around you and make small differences in your world.
0: We know what Adrian and Michael T and the the vet actors bring to this project. Can you just talk about the, the casting of the, your lead actress? I thought that was just a complete steal and the way she works with Adrian. And, and for the movie to work, she has to deliver a really on point performance as well. Can you just talk about the casting and your decision with that?
1: Oh, Chandler Dupont is phenomenal. You're going to see a lot, a lot more of Chandler. She is a, she's a real star. She's a, a natural, you know, she's a natural on-screen presence. She's emotionally intuitive. She's, she's present. You know, she's, uh we were just incredible. The movie just wouldn't work without a Chandler the same way. And, uh, and she, she, she came with it. I mean, I, you know, we were very, very, uh, both lucky and well-supported. You know, Paul Schnee is an incredible casting director. And he just, he re- he really got every role, you know, every single role down to the day players, just some amazing people. And my God Chandler was just incredible.
0: You know, between her and Richie, is, is it great for you as a, an artist to, to know that you're, you're sort of a, a collaborator within the early years and formations as respective artists as well?
1: Funny, I don't really think of them any differently than I would you know, an older, more mature actor. I, I, they come in; they're you're, they're clearly professionals. You know, Richie too. Richie's a little Al Pacino. I mean, he's one of those. He just he just has it. You just you just point the camera at him; he does his thing. I mean, he's not. You know. You know he's uh, he's astonishingly good. So I really, I, if I'm being honest, I really never thought about it as sort of forming these people. What I what I do like to see is them getting to work with Adrian. You know, and and uh and watching them learn from him and watching him school them. You know, he's in, in a very gentle way, very loving way. You know, he's very, very generous with other actors Adrian is, whether, you know, whether he's working with, you know, John Malkovich or Antonio Banderas or you know, the or younger actor like like these guys, you know, Adrian is always there. He's always on the other end. You will never ever see him like leave and have them do their lines. ever in a million years. I, I, I imagine that had been done to him when he was a kid, and uh, and and he's just—you'll never see anything, anything like that from him. So that I love to see.
0: Can you name one of your all-time favorite movies for our listeners, and tell us what is it about the specific film that still resonates with you today?
1: It's it's too broad a question. You got to give me a like a subgenre. I'm like uh, I'm I'm um, I, I love that I, the question like. It's, uh, you know, I'm thinking, you know what I'm thinking?
0: I'm thinking, uh, me a
1: slasher movie. You could give me a, a sci fi movie. You, anything, you know, I'll, I'll give it to you. A cannibal movie. Who, yeah, anything.
0: How, how about B level stuff? Like, I'm th- I'm thinking, like, Fritz Lang, Samuel Fuller, those kind those kind of B-, B movies.
1: Sam Fuller, I like that. I mean, you know, I'll go anything peck and paw all day long. You know, like, um, you know, I, I, will, I will keep it broad in the peck and paw category. You know, the, like, peck and paw movies are, you know, are, uh, are unapologetic without being unsophisticated, uh, you know, in their approach to in their approach to to violence and all the surrounding themes, you know. And I think that sort of fearlessness and grit, as far as clean is concerned, the movie that you know, the movies that Adrian and I talked a lot about were the were the you know the films of the seventies, Taxi Driver and everything surrounding, you know, like those were movies that were formative for he and I, um, and the sort of the atmosphere and the grit. And, and the willingness to, to just, just get blood on you, uh, under your fingernails a little bit, you know, those are, those are the movies that I respond to the most.
0: Paul, thank you so much. Really love your film. And, and thank you so
1: much, Greg. Great questions, man. All
0: right. Take care, man. Awesome. Hey guys, I'm Greg Srizavasti with Deepest Dream and the Cinematics Podcast. Pleasure to meet, meet you both. Nice to meet you too. Nice thank, me thank you. Too. You know, there's a lot of love stories in cinema, but I love the fact that how Redeeming Love really explores the nature of unconditional love and how you can't just unconditionally love someone from afar. You have to actually put it into action. Can you just talk about how that theme is explored in within this movie?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, Michael's love for Angel is, is all about patience at the end of the day. And he can see the light in her and he can see how special she is. But she kind of has, because of, you know, the experiences she's been through... Such filled with such self hatred, such self loathing, and cannot see, um, you know how amazing she is. And I think his faith in her and and his love for her really, really shines through and enables her to have the strength in a way mm-hmm. to tackle her own demons, um, you know, in a really active way, which I think is what you need.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah Yeah. abigail how much of a big journey was this for you you go through your character goes through so much and it must have this project must mean so much to you personally because it just runs the gamut it's like a really huge journey that you go on
3: yeah it was um it was just that it was a very big journey um i mean it's it's heavy subject matter but it's very important subject matter and um a a topic that i believe needs to be kind of um talked about more. So it was yeah, I, I mean, you know, I felt a huge responsibility to the character and to the role and um and it was an honor, but it was definitely um a challenge.
0: I love how part of, Yeah, <laughs> I love how part of this movie is set in the city or or I guess the burgeoning city and also a big part of it is set in the country. I am guilty as charged. I'm a city slicker just wondering mm-hmm. about you guys. Are you more a life in the country type folks or a life in the city?
2: It's really interesting you say that because I'm having this I live in London, so you can't really get more you know and like central London as well as so you can't get more city than that but like i I love the countryside I'm from the countryside um just outside of Leeds, and these, you know really nice rolling hills and things but um I'm kind of getting more country the older I get i kinda <laughs> I like the space and I like you know the country walks and and things. I always thought I was you know a lifelong city, city rat yeah um but actually you know the older I get um the more I turn. What about
3: you? Oh, I. I mean, I grew up on land as well, yeah. so I'm. I mean, I'm, ride or die country. I think. I mean,
2: I. Well, you live in LA. How do you find it living in LA? Do you
3: um, no, I love. LA. I love the people that I've met in LA. I yeah. love. I do love the artistic scene, and I love meeting fellow artists, and yeah. you know, that's a great element. Um, but definitely don't want to. You know, I don't know if I would end up here for the rest of my life. I would yeah. love to. You know. Hopefully, get to a point in my career where I could like have a, a farm outside of Nashville and just
2: like you two know. houses, <laughs>
3: yeah, two houses, you know, <laughs> one here, one there. No, I mean, like, just have you know, have animals, have space, and you know,
2: the beautiful thing about where we shot live, though is, and yeah, breathe, you know. Shooting in Cape Town and South Africa, it has all those elements. So you have the countryside, mm-hmm. but you also have Cape Town, the city that you can shoot in, and you've got the beach, and you've got the sea, and you've got the mountains. So it's it's an amazing location that that um, they found. Kind of has all those aspects that you need to, um, for the movie. Final yeah. question:
0: I do a movie review podcast. Just wondering, for each of you, can you name one of your all-time favorite movies and what is it about this movie that still speaks to you today?
2: Oh, come on!
3: This is such a you. You go.
2: Was my favorite movie of all time. One of my favorite really. movies. I don't the one that like really came to mind. I don't know why it's because I rewatched it recently. Was the Hours. Have you seen it with Nicole Kidman, Mel Street, Nicole Kidman? It's like based on this book. I think David Hare wrote the script. It's one of those. I remember watching it when I was in school. It came out years and years and years ago. It's one of the things that really Nicole Kidman like plays Virginia Woolf, mm-hmm. um, and she's like I'm incredible in it. And the whole movie is um, it's it's this this stunning rendition of of, of this book and the The lives of these like um three women and throughout history and how they turn, yeah mm-hmm. the hours yeah.
3: i I think, I mean, recently, I actually watched scenes from a marriage.
2: And I still need to see that. I really oh it's on my list. Like, my my list. I've
3: been talking about it. Like I think I talk about it I like once Jessica a day. <laughs> I adore Shelly, her. Yeah. Like and Oscar Isaac. I was just I was in awe. I idea. mean the scenes they would do like it would be like an eight minute
2: long scene. Yeah, and
3: they would just be like them sitting in silence. Well, they're and then, both like, saying from like, one like a one really word, theater, and it,
2: theater background, out not they? They, they went have to, that so we'll together. 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 Yeah, yeah.
3: So I, I honestly that will I I think it'll be hard. To find something that'll beat. top that, but yeah. yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I love. I, I mean, I would love to, you know, do later on in my career. And it's all about the script. is it? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's brilliant! Like it, it's just, it was just genius. Yeah, I'd say that honestly.
0: Yeah. Great, thank you guys so much for your time and just great work on the film for both of you.
2: Thank you so. Thank much. You. Thank you so nice much. To meet you.